0: Hello beautiful people. Thank you and welcome to Chronicles Abroad. I'm Francis. And I'm Nubia. I'm so excited. You know why? Because I've got a fellow patient <laughs> on the other line. I swear after this article with Travel New York, it's been like Haitians United. I swear, <laughs> couple <of> folks like, "Oh, Y'all came up the woodwork. Like, yeah We everywhere and I travel too. So we are sitting here with Danielle Desir, a travel finance strategist, writer, and an avid traveler based in Connecticut. The founder of The Thought Card, a travel finance blog and podcast about affording travel, paying off debt, and building wealth. Welcome, Danielle. Hi, everyone. How are you guys? Thank you for being with us today.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: For sure. We were going through your website. And there was one particular blog post that kind of caught my attention. I was like, Francis, this is some good information because we get hit with questions all the time. And I'm not a financially savvy traveler, (laughs) nor am I a financial guru. So when I seen this, I was like, oh, we should definitely talk about this. And it's about how to become a financially savvy traveler, a beginner's guide to planning a trip. But it's more to me than just planning a trip. It's actually just getting your shit together so <laughs> that you can have a good experience while you're away.
1: For sure. And also not be in debt when you come back or be stressed while you're on your trip, too.
0: That's true. Now, we have a different of opinion when it comes to U.S. debt. But that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> and Danielle, you've traveled quite a bit. So I think you've got it down to science of how to do this wisely and in the most effective way. Yeah. Let's take a look at the first step.
1: All right. So step one is creating a budget. And I know a lot of people, they hear the word budget and they kind of get repulsed or scared or whatever the case may be. But like simply a budget is just a plan. It's just how am I going to spend my money either on a day-to-day basis, on your regular daily budget, or during your trip. So I just like to think of a budget as a plan, and I want to anticipate as much details as possible. So the more realistic your budget can be, the more likely that you'll be able to accomplish your goals, which is to go on that trip. Makes
0: sense. Yeah, I'm one of those people. I hear budget, and I'd be like, I get deaf in one ear. Rolling the <laughs> eye. <laughs> I can't believe. She's like, what? I, got- no, I, don't know. I don't know. I'm like, but what what it just, yeah, it just doesn't work with me. So, but I love the way you, how you break this down a little bit. So determine categories for your budget makes sense. So you break it down to like three major categories. You have airfare, lodging, and food. And these are the basic necessities. Estimate what it will cost in those countries. Cause you'll be surprised in a lot of countries, especially in Asia, food is stupid inexpensive. expensive. Mm-hmm. I think the most of your money probably goes to the airfare. Whereas other places, it's lodging and food. Right. So identify in those three categories how you are spending your budget. Can you elaborate a little bit more on the action plan behind that?
1: Right. So the reason why I picked these three budget categories to start off with is because this is how you're going to actually get there. The airfare or the transportation and the lodging is like those are the necessities for you to get there and for you to have a safe place to stay. So I like to think of it. Let me just have this money. Upfront first, and then everything else is later. Even food too. Food can be a little bit later, but I need to actually have the flight money to be able to actually get there, or have the train money to actually get there. And of course, I need a place to stay. So lodging is also like super, super important. And these are just the basic necessities so that you can survive and live. And everything else like activities and attractions and gifts they can come later.
0: Makes sense. And you know what's helpful from reading your blog is that. So based on what your budget is, then you can really look at okay, which are the areas that's gonna reflect that budget. Because Where do I, I go think based yeah, on the budget I got. Because I think people get really overwhelmed like, Oh, I can't afford to travel, I can't do any of it. But if you take your budget and reflect it to maybe maybe you can't do Japan this time around. Oh, Japan Italy, is yeah. yeah, Japan is super expensive. Maybe you go to Thailand or maybe you go somewhere else so that you can actually just get out there, at least experience. Oh, that the Philippines. Run. Yeah. Stupid cheap. Yeah.
1: Right. So for example, for airfare, what I try to do is I start to look into how much it's actually going to cost to go to a destination. So for example, I've been obsessing over Puerto Rico lately. So for the past couple months, I've been just, you know, on Google flights, just checking to see how much flights from New York City to Puerto Rico costs on average. So I would say on average, it's going to cost you around 267 US dollars to get to Puerto Rico from New York City. So that's kind of like my baseline in terms of the airfare. Now, for me, I'm obsessed with cheap flights and I always want to pay less than what the averages so after i establish my baseline i'm just looking and looking and looking or i might actually get like flight deal notifications from different websites so when i saw a deal to puerto rico for 219 i was like yep this is the time that i go because i'm gonna save like 40 dollars because i know the baseline so i always think just know the baseline and you don't have to crazy study it but just know what your base is and what the average traveler is paying so that you can aim to spend less money on that
0: yeah and that goes into your step two Yeah, flight
1: alerts. Exactly, exactly. I also wanted to touch on like how are you going to figure out the prices, for example, for lodging and food? It's just easily to read blog posts. There's a ton of bloggers. I also do budget breakdowns on my website. So every destination I travel to, I actually share exactly how much I spent. And there are a ton of bloggers that do that. So you can kind of take an average and say, okay, on average, I'm going to spend, let's say, $30 a day on food. And then that's how you create your budget and action plan. For step number two, it's sign up for flight alerts it's really to establish a baseline like once your baseline is established you're just looking for flight alerts that you can save money so being a financially savvy traveler is really about finding small ways that have a big impact in your budget and it's just being smart with your money and not falling for the traps that a lot of people fall for and also like the less money that you're spending on your trips the more you're going to be able to travel further and travel to more destinations so i'm all about maximizing if i have a thousand dollars how many places can I hit with a thousand dollars compared to doing like this one luxurious trip?
0: Funny. That makes sense. And then the next step is get a new credit card. And this, you know, a lot of people are split on this. Some people like it. Some people don't. But credit cards, if you use them you know wisely enough, they can really offer great advantages for frequent travelers. Can you dive in a little bit to that,
1: please? Yeah, for sure. I find that credit cards is like an easy way for you to get perks from the spending that you're doing on a everyday basis anyway. So I know a lot of travelers, they actually manufacture spending. But for me, I don't want to get into debt and I don't want to like have issues with that. So I just try to open new credit cards that have a high sign up bonus. So, for example, I just opened up a credit card with American Airlines, which if you spend, let's say, a thousand dollars in three months months, you're going to get 50,000 air miles. 50,000 air miles is actually a round trip to Europe. So by my regular spending at the end of that, I can just have a free flight to Europe. Yes, please. So for me, that totally, totally makes sense. I think I have a ridiculous amount of credit cards. I think I have like somewhere like 10 because each of them provides me such great value either at the sign-up bonus or continuously spending. I'm able to accumulate points and miles really easily on that. So I think you have to figure out what's right for you. If credit cards aren't really for you, you can still sign up for frequent flyer miles. All the airlines, have free frequent flyer miles every time you fly with them. Just make sure you just give them your number so that you can track your miles, and then it will be slower, but you can definitely do it without a
0: credit card. Okay. Yeah, but let me just add on to that. That's a whole travel points game, okay? And it's a lot to really know about that. What I will say to make it a little easier for people is if you currently have a credit card, contact your credit card agency and ask them if your card gets cash back or travel rewards ask that question. If they say no, say, is there a card within the network that does? Is there a way that I could just either upgrade my card <laughs> or transfer to that card? Yeah. So that way you're not necessarily getting a new one in a sense where you're having two, but you're getting rid of your old to replace it with the new.
1: Right. An upgrade An upgrade. An
0: upgrade. So mm-hmm. that's another way to do it. I tell people all the time, if you're going to have a credit card, make sure your credit card works for you. Just use what you currently have if that's the case. If you're not, if you're too worried about, you know, getting new cars and all of that. Yeah, maximize what you already have. Correct.
1: And I also want to say in tandem with your credit card, I also make sure to have a travel fund and the travel fund is actually your bank account where the money is sitting and staying. And the reason why I devote myself to having a travel fund is because I'm horrible at commingling funds. Like my mortgage and my travel fund cannot be in the same bank account because I will not have money to pay my mortgage at the end of the month. <laughs> oh, wait, <laughs> what? I
0: went to Europe last Oh, can't pay the mortgage. Yep. <laughs> oh, can't live. Yep. Yeah, Is it that it's time it's again? Mortgage? A- Damn, it comes every month.
1: Every month. <laughs> so annoying. So annoying, right? So for me and I'm launching my podcast and I I go into detail about uh-huh. this. It's like
0: Yeah, let's not gloss over that.
1: Yes, yes, yes. But like for me, the travel fund is really the essential. It's what really ties everything together because at a glance, you can see how much money you have to travel and then you can go into your budget and then you can like do all the things, find the cheap flights. But, you know, I wouldn't say for you to get into credit card debt or just keep swiping for travel if you have no money in your bank account to do it. And again, the travel fund is like a plan. It's just, you know, for me, I save consistently into my travel fund. So I have money to just draw down. Down whenever I need to, no, so I
0: love that because actually from Boston, and we have this credit union that we would use, and the credit union actually splits it for you. So you have your Christmas your travel and anything else, and so you could just literally delineate the funds to each section of those accounts so that then you don't even realize it. And they you have the option of actually having that check sent directly to you, or just reinvest it back into your travel fund. So look at your credit unions; they do have some of them have those options. I love credit unions. Yeah, they're amazing. I love the next one. Save Save money, money. honey. Save money,
1: money. honey. Yes, it's it's super important. And I think the unique thing about how I think about travel and my travel finances is that I treat travel like a recurring bill. It is right up there with my mortgage, my Netflix subscription. It is right up there with my gym membership.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the four I, get of life. I don't do it
1: anymore but it'll be right up there with anything that is a regular part of my spending travels right up there because it is a financial priority in my life and it is something that is so important that i have to build it in just like everything else bad. so it makes sense
0: because mm-hmm. if you really want to travel you have to make it a priority yeah don't make it look like a separate account add it into the rest of your expenses exactly because if, if I would have looked at it that way it would have been easy it would have been like oh travel 20 you know what I mean because you know you just got to pay those out but if it's like hmm should I add a hundred to travel now or should I just wait to next check no it's a part of your bill so you got to add to it every single month I love that perspective.
1: I agree. I agree. And for me, it makes it consistent. It just helps me with consistency. I set it, forget it, and watch it grow. So I don't have to really do much thinking because it's automatically, once I get paid, it's automatically getting pushed into my travel savings. And if you're a freelancer and your income is variable, whenever you're doing your drawdown from your business bank account, it's the same thing. Just kind of shift a little bit of the money that you your income into your travel fund and just make right. it a process. With that
0: though, I do gotta mention this one account called acorns acorns was an account that I had where it basically was an auto save and it would take cents out of my account mm-hmm. I and mean, literally every time I made a transaction it rounded it up to the full dollar so if I bought something at a dollar ninety-eight it took two cents and put it into my account if I bought something at a dollar fifty it took fifty cents and rounded it up to two dollars you get what I'm saying so I always had these little transactions being taken out of my account but they were so minimal that you don't realize it. One day I looked at my account just out of the blue and I had like $980 in it. I forgot all about the freaking account. You just made me realize I used to use Digit all the time. Digit's another one. Man, and I'd be like, holy smokes. Now they charge you before it was free. Now that you have a monthly fee that you have to pay, but an account like that will do wonders for you. Correct. Just forget about it and it auto saves for you.
1: Agreed. Yeah, I actually have both Digit and Acorns. And there are plenty of others like Stash. I know Stash is the similar micro. It's like micro investing or micro like saving. Um, I recommend that as well. Another tip that I would say is a reverse budgeting. So reverse budgeting is kind of like when you have a line item in your budget and you haven't spent all of it to take that savings and to take that difference and throw it into your savings. So, for example, let's say I'm walking by Starbucks. I have an itch. I want to, you know, I want to drink that coffee. And I say, you know what? I really shouldn't. I don't spend the money, but I immediately deposit that $5 into a savings account. So I'm capturing those savings in real time. Reverse budgeting, really, you have to kind of be on it. You have to be conscious of what am I thinking right now? Can I do that transfer? But it's a great way for you to kind of cushion your travel fund and to make it a little bit bigger over time. Now
0: those are valuable tips that I've forgotten about that Thank you. We're going on to the next step, which is pick a destination and book. Book it. Book that shit, Yes, as Kina was saying. Do you
1: think? yes the reason why I leave pick a destination to the end is because a lot of people they want to pick a destination first and then they have this, this like grandiose goal and then they get deflated when they can't reach it so for me it's like you have your money saved from that let's see how much we can play with let's see where we can go with how much that I'm able to afford and for me it's like you're not stretching yourself to make it you're not stretching yourself too much to make it a reality so I really recommend to just commit to a destination that fits in your budget and you know consider traveling to cheaper destinations there's so many destinations where you know your currency can actually go a lot further we have a strong u.s dollar right now and that allows me to go to plenty of different places so that's what i would recommend pick a destination after you save and after you have your budget in check and you know plan around that yeah
0: and if you have destinations in mind do some research about that destination and their currency because people will be surprised like if you go to belize our U.S. dollar is two dollars there, you know, and Asia is stronger. You get a lot of money in Asian, you know, and bot for the U.S. dollar. So just look at your destinations and go from there. A lot of us have big expectations, right? They're like, "Oh, I'm going to go to the Maldives." That's great. Did you save enough to go to the Maldives? <laughs> because I mean, put it on your bucket list. <laughs> exactly. Like we can get to the Maldives for a little to nothing. Yeah. But what? I had, like, said to Franceses, okay, we can get a flight for 200 but... Where are you staying at? Where are we staying at? <laughs> like, now, now we got to look at the, you know, transportation budget. This is how much. Now it's like lodging is, like, twice the amount mm-hmm. of the airfare. And then food, we just realize it. it doesn't make sense when we can go somewhere where our dollar can go farther. Yeah. Because we're thinking about going to Maldives, but we're like, mm, let's well, just go to India. And Sri Lanka. <laughs> We can do both of them. We can do two trips in one for that one trip that would have cost us just to go to Maldives. So sometimes it's just good to do that little bit of research, find out what makes sense. We know there's people who want to do a lot of things, but what makes sense?
1: Right. And I'm not saying not to have dreams, not to have aspirations to go to some of these luxurious, amazing places. Sure. But I feel like for a lot of people who want to make travel more frequent part of their lives, it's easier to get the quick wins. So it's easier to get to the more closer destinations, the smaller destinations than it is to go to. For me, like, for example, for me, I would love to go to New Zealand and Australia. But just right off the back, the flight is like $800 to $1,000. So that's going to be a very long time. Because I can go to Puerto Rico, I can go to Europe, even cheaper, you know, there's so many different places. So for me, it's like money really dictates where I go and I follow the flight deals. So it's just really what whatever comes. Yeah, And
0: I think it comes down to also a matter of preference, because there might be a time where, you know, this whole entire year, I'm going to save for the Maldives, I'm going to go to Bora Bora, and that's your focus for that year. And that's okay. And I'll saved for yeah. Yeah. Because you shouldn't go right. broke for a trip. No. But it's so good that you mentioned flight deals. Because when I was on a flight deal tip, and I swear, like, it was like, whenever there was a flight deal, it's just like, book it, book it, book it. The best thing to do is make sure you have that card or that money aside. So when that flight deal comes, you can book it. I can't then when friends or other people be like, oh, well, let me just check and see. Nah, then you can't go. Bye. We, don't really Bye. we don't have time for that. don't have time. Just why are you even saying that sentence your your poster down?
1: And my friends were like that too. My friends were like that. My friends back in the day, maybe a couple of years ago, when I was first starting traveling, I'd be like, "Hey, you guys want to go?" And they will be like, "Oh, we'll see." Now, when I tell them we're gonna go to Iceland for 180, they're yes. like, "Yes, please!" And we're booked the exactly. next second. And that's how it so it's also training yeah. your friends,
0: and that's how it should be. And mm-hmm. that's how I was saying that also enough a couple of times is reevaluate your circle. You can have friends that you love dearly, but if they're not the friends that travel like you really want to travel, stop asking them to travel. <laughs> Join Facebook groups, join clubs. There's plenty of people that travel all over this world that would be, you know, love to be with you on that trip and go if you're so afraid to go solo. But I stopped asking. Right. And yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't I mean I do ask now because everyone is usually on board and they
0: know my travel style, but you trained them well. yeah, I oh, trained,
1: yeah, I trained,
0: I <laughs> trained. I don't ask, I just tell I tell people I booked. I'm like, I booked a flight too, and they're like, Oh really? What dates wait? And then I'll send them the information. But I need to make sure I'm booked
1: first. You'll see me on Instagram. Bye. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I definitely did. It's a hard choice to say, like train my friends. But it's true. Like if I email them or I text them, they know that I'm serious. Like I'm serious about travel. They know that I'm going to come with a good flight deal, you know, so it A lot of times now, they just kind of are on board. They tell me yes or no, and then we can move forward. And I have no problem with traveling solo. A lot of the countries that I've been to, I've traveled solo because I just don't want to miss out on an opportunity. So a little bit about my backstory is that when I was younger, I used to travel a lot. I used to travel to Haiti every summer to visit my family members. And when I became a teenager, I thought travel was uncool because everyone was like hanging out in the summertime. And here I am going off to another country. It became uncool. So I kind of stopped traveling. And then when I got to college, I pretty much didn't have any money and everyone was going to go to Cancun for spring break and all of that. So I started to feel like, geez, I really want to start traveling now, but I just don't have the money to do it. So I said to myself, you know what, when I graduate and I get a job, a part-time job or whatever, I'm going to start saving for travel. So when I graduated, I had a really big, nice party and I got $700 and that's what took me to my first trip to Paris. And I went solo nice. because I was like, you know what, I wanted to do it for solo long and money was a huge aspect of me not being able to. So for me now, it's like if I have the funds and I'm able to do it, I'm not going to say no to an opportunity to see the world because I know what it feels like to not be able to afford it and want to do it and you can't.
0: Yeah, it doesn't feel good. Yep. So you've been to quite a few places. What is your favorite place that you've traveled to? Wait a minute, you've been to 24 countries, correct? I've been to
1: 24 and counting. Yes.
0: So quite a few. Didn't quite a few sound like at least ten plus. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It was oh, I <laughs> yeah, thought that's what thought like you were saying me or something? <laughs> yeah. I didn't like it. I didn't like it because I mentioned <laughs> that she's been to 24 countries. You I mean, said quite a few. A few to most people is like three or four. Well, Several. She's been to 24. Quite a few. That's a different me, level. Listen up here. Quite a few for me meant like ten plus. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Don't don't mind her. She's like an annoying big sister. No, little sister, actually.
1: So I found that I really enjoy Iceland and Bermuda. And it's interesting because they're so different. They're completely different countries. But I love them for different reasons. So Bermuda very expensive super expensive like you can find a cheap flight but then it's like where do you stay you know you know that's a challenging part but Bermuda has these turquoise waters pink sand beaches really nice people and colonial it's just super super nice and it's only like less than two hours away from New York City in a flight so it's super easy to get to and I really enjoy Bermuda and Iceland, on the other hand I've traveled to Iceland three times it's a great solo travel destination you have glaciers you have hiking you have rainbows everywhere. You have can drink water. Black sand beaches. <laughs> Black sand beaches. It's hot
0: springs. Hot springs
1: natural, Vikings. You know, it's it's really like a refreshing place to be and it's like expensive as hell. I don't know why like these expensive places. Like
0: <laughs> I was gonna say Iceland cheap, girlfriend. Iceland it's cheap not, to get there. Iceland is not cheap.
1: It's not cheap. Um but If you want to go to Iceland, just try not to drink alcohol and try not to drink a lot of coffee because that's like the two things for me that kill my budget all the time. And I've been I've saved a lot of money by not drinking, generally speaking.
0: And don't buy anything at the airport, not even a bottle of water.
1: Yeah, you can totally do Iceland. You can actually drink from the tap in Iceland. You can drink from the spring in the ground. You can drink from a glacier. I've done that, too. So I recommend Iceland and Bermuda. Yeah, I agree.
0: I've never been to Bermuda. I don't know why. And you know what the crazy thing about it is? I'm not being ignorant about it because I'm an adult now. But back then, all I knew of Bermuda was the Bermuda Triangle and people disappearing. Because <laughs> that's all that's heard on the news, right? So Bad press. It was, Bermuda was <laughs> Bad never press. on my list. It was like, I ain't going in disappearing. <laughs> now we're like, whatever someone told you about that country, don't believe it. Go see it for yourself.
1: Yeah, it's it's beautiful. It's it's so beautiful. It sounds
0: gorgeous. You paid off student loans, correct?
1: Yes, yes, yes. That's
0: awesome. Now that's a big item that we get a lot is people are always like saying, I have student loans. That's even for you, Francis. Yeah. Francis is I was about like, to mention it too, yeah. I yeah. have no debt other than my student loan. You know, stuff like that. Can you give our listeners a little bit about the student loan game? Because I hear it so much. People are just afraid to, like, I can't really travel or I can't live abroad because I have student loan debt. I'm living abroad and I have student loan debt and I pay every month for it. I hate doing it, but I do it <laughs> and I make it work. And there are ways you can do that. Yeah, so like can you yeah, like help up, me afford to, to travel while still paying off your student loans.
1: Right. Well, I think in, it's important for your mindset, for you to speak into existence like I had student loan debt. If you're like, I have student loan debt, you're going to be riddled in debt for eternity. If you had, it makes you think differently and your actions will be different. My story, I had $63,000 of student loan debt after graduating grad school. I had about 20000 in undergrad. Mind you, I had a ton of scholarships, but I still managed to be in debt. And then for grad school, I had about forty-three thousand dollars. So when I graduated, I had sixty-three total, and I had no job. So here I was at my house looking at my bill, and I'm like, "Holy crap! My first job, I didn't even make sixty-three thousand dollars at the time." And my motivator was looking at the interest rate per day. So when I looked at how much am I supposed to pay my lender per day, that shocked me. And I was like, holy cow. So for me, I had about like 10.50 a day. And at the time I didn't have a job. So I was like, how am I gonna afford to pay interest 10.50 a day on top of the principal? So for me, I decided to keep tracking my student loan journey by looking at my interest go down every day or every month or every time I, I made a payment. If you're living Let's say if you have the option to live at home with your parents, that's what I did. I lived at home with my mom, paid off my debt in four years doing that. And I was able to still carve out a budget to travel. And I think living at home is really great because you just are not spending on rent as much as you would. And that for me really, really helped. But in terms of like actionable steps, like what are some of the best ways that you can pay off your loans? I have two methods that I recommend. So the first method is a slow and steady approach, which is like you continuously pay Every pay period, every time, you know, every month, you just kind of go slow and steady. Or what you can do, the second way is for you to make a large payment. So I call that the front end method where you take your savings and then you use it as a lump sum towards your debt. So sometimes I would use my savings and contribute like $5,000 at a time. But what would I do? I would also pay myself back. So it would take me a while to replenish my savings again. But at least for my student loans, there was a big, in it at a time. So if you do use that method, I always say use your savings, but plan to pay yourself back. And that's a good way for you to have those quick wins. Like it feels great when you're like, wow, I went from $8.50 a day to 2 You know, it feels good. So those are the two methods that I use on top of living at home.
0: Would you recommend somebody? Because I think most people make their largest purchases after taxes. Like once they do their tax returns, some people are lucky enough to get a couple of extra hundred or a couple of extra thousand. You know, statistically, most people make large purchases somewhere between March and June (laughs) because they're getting their tax return back. So is that a good time to go ahead and put that lump sum? Because technically, it's not coming out of savings. It's almost like free money in your hand.
1: I think it depends on your goals. Cause some years I would use it towards my debt, and then other years I would use it towards travel. It really depends on the fatigue. Because when you're really focused on paying down debt, it is exhausting. And when you're when you're not even focused on paying off debt, it's still exhausting. So it's just the drudgery is like ridiculous. So it depends on what your goals are for the year and how you're feeling. If you need a win, if you. Feel like you just want to make a dent, go ahead and use it for your loans or use a portion of it for your loans. But if you feel like you want to use it to travel, maybe that's the only money that you have coming in for the year. You know, go ahead and do that. So you can come back refreshed and focus back on your finances.
0: Yeah, I love that. I think that's a great approach to it because then because I'm a big fan of chunking things. So whatever it is that you want to achieve, especially student loan, you just got to chunk it and look at it as one loan at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the
1: reason why I look at interest, the interest rate per day as a metric is because you need to figure out how much you have to actually pay more than what they're telling you so that you can make a debt. Because what they're telling you is pay the bank first and then pay a little bit of your principal. You might be paying like something like five to ten dollars every month. So You're going to go nowhere. Yeah. So the interest rate really allows you to just, OK, I need to pay more than this and to make it a priority. I just think you have to just make it a priority if you want to be done with it.
0: Yeah. So Danielle, what are you currently working on now? I know you had mentioned earlier that you have a podcast that's about to launch. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah,
1: so the Thought Card is becoming a podcast. Same brand, meaning that it's going to be about making travel a priority in your life and just getting your finances in order. Because I really want to share stories about people who are doing amazing things and living life on their own terms, but who are also financially savvy and who are finding creative ways to pay off their debt, travel the world and build wealth. I wanted to create a podcast because I just feel like it's just another way for me to interact. I think it's easier sometimes to share your thoughts. My blog, The Thought Card, is all about my thoughts, and it's nice to kind of blurt it out in an audio format. So that is my latest project. It is a labor of love, for real.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nope. oh, we um, know it. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> Podcasting is, is not easy, but mm-hmm. it is something that I'm super inspired to do, and it's just an extension of my brand. Very
0: good. That's awesome. Yeah. I can't wait to tune in. Yeah, for sure. Ooh, do you have a yes
1: yes the podcast launches September 20th and I'll be yes and I'll be teasing out content ahead of that Um, it's gonna be great you're gonna be hearing me sometimes in solo cast as well as other inspiring guests
0: awesome Awesome. we can't wait to get that info and make sure that we get that on your show notes for sure so that our listeners can tune in yeah and I want to just say how I met Danielle was through a wonderful community Would you like to share what that community is? Yes, the
1: community is called WC Podcasters, which stands for Women of Color Podcasters. It's an inclusive community for women who are looking for resources and how to start a podcast, looking to connect with other women. And our goal is to help people create high quality podcast shows and to get the traction that, you know, we deserve. And for me, it's been amazing having this support network and making friends. And I just think it's been a blessing.
0: Yeah, it's super cool. And I love how every week you're always like, okay, where are you at? What have you done? What's the plan for oh, next week? Oh, the week's? accountability. Yeah, the accountability is huge. And I've been able to just watch people really flourish. And finally, instead of sitting on such wonderful content, they're finally just pulling the trigger and getting stuff done. So if you are somebody, a person of color who has a podcast and always think about starting a podcast, join the Women of Color podcast because they will hold you accountable. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's actually how it like, inspired me to start a podcast because I've always wanted to start a podcast, but I wanted to have a co-host and I, it was hard to find one. So I'm like, you know, yeah. let, me, let me just get it together. And yes.
0: <laughs> yeah. Co-hosts can be really cool because you play off each other's strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. But the great thing about having a podcast community is you can do the same thing without necessarily having a, a co-host. You have a support team of people who can help you in a lot of
1: ways. Yeah. Right. So I actually had a question for you guys. I'm gonna turn it around.
0: <laughs> for Whoa, qu- Lord. Okay. <laughs> the podcast and
1: me. So for me, it's like I have a full time job. I'm kind of planted firmly in one place. So as digital nomads, or you know, people who've traveled abroad, how are your finances different? How are you thinking about it when you live abroad? Good
0: question. Because we both look question. at things very differently. Yeah. Like I said, Francis, you can start because you're the one that's really focused on your student loans right now and trying uh-huh. to take care of that. Yeah, it's interesting because, so I've lived and worked in Thailand before, and I was like, okay, well, I'd like to make more money. And I went to Japan. Living in Japan was fabulous. I was able to save a lot of money doing it, but I also wasn't really happy in Japan, per se, just because the cold winters and the society's a little bit more rigid. It is. Uh, versus Thailand is a little bit more relaxed. So, I said ta-ta to the <laughs> extra funds that I was receiving there. Uh, but I've been able to make it work here because there's so many ways that you can find like extra gigs, tutoring. I also edit other people's podcasts and everything else. So I'm able to bring in, catch me on Fiverr, a little plug So, And a lot of the <laughs> other stuff that I do, a lot of it is online. So my focus is to be completely online by next year. But my finances have changed and I had to, really take a look at, okay, I have some of this debt and what is the most important debt for me to pay off at this time. And right now for me, it's my student loans. I have a goal of getting rid of that um, as soon as, and as I can to do that. So that's been my focus. Yeah. So my finances have shifted, you know, I was working Sally position and all the stuff and that didn't work out, you know, all that stuff. So, but I found that people don't realize like you can make 60, 70, 80, $100,000 a year. But when you're abroad, you don't really need to make that much. You really don't. You can actually make a lot of things work. Well, it depends on where you are. Well, yeah, it depends for sure. But that whole mentality that I need a whole lot to sustain myself, you really don't. And I'm on the other end of the spectrum. I kind of was like, you know what? That's US debt. I don't live in the US anymore. So. I let up. That's also not. I don't have debt. (laughs) I I don't have any. But there's also another, there's a big difference. I would never want to say to somebody, leave your U.S. debt behind and walk away if you have any intentions on going back to live in the States. Right. Take care of your business. I ain't coming back. So, goodbye. You know, I mean, my whole thing is, like, I have to focus on myself and paying back the man or the bank or whatever it is is not my priority right now. Again, like Francis said, depending on where you are in the world, what you make is not necessarily about making six figures or whatever. You can make a lot less and have a lot more fruitful experiences, have a wonderful life. So I'm no longer focused on the dollar. You know, I am completely and utterly location independent. I teach online. I make U.S. dollar, which is great for living abroad. And also my focus is just working on the Chronicles Abroad, my entrepreneurial spirit. If I ever decide to want to go back to the States, I will totally shift that mindset and I would have to like the fix plan. what I left behind. Because a lot of people feel like they can't leave until that stuff is fixed. However, they're keeping themselves in a mental slavery kind of way, to death. So in order to change and leave, I just had to leave. And that was it. Yeah, and it really depends on where you are in your lifetime. Or in your life, basically, because that's what she needed. The quality of life surpassed anything else, period. And if that's where you are, then that's what takes priority. The debt ends are going anywhere, but you can definitely have failing health and all these other issues. That, to me, is more important than anything. So I know from a financial standpoint, I probably made you be
1: like, ah. No, it was super interesting because I can speak to the fact that sometimes your salary position chains you as well as your debt. Your debt can chain you down because you're like, oh, my God, how am I going to survive when my income is variable? You know, so I think once you get past certain things and you can flourish and finances is personal. It's personal finance. It's really, you know, owning what you want to do with your life, with your money and the harder money that you, you know, you make. So no judgment, no judgment.
0: Yeah. I don't think people need to get bogged down to whatever other people are doing. Exactly. You just got to do what's right for you. Exactly.
1: Good sure. question.
0: Thank Thank you. Was like, <laughs> I mean, I'm sweating. I was like, I'm sweating. I'm all my business out there. Lord. No, that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> now we appreciate that. Danielle, thank you so much for being with us today. This yeah, we had, a lot of, we had a good time. Yay, it
1: was awesome. I really appreciated just being on the podcast and I hope to see you guys on my podcast soon. Oh
0: yeah, for, oh, sure. for sure. If you could leave one last tip for our audience, uh, pick one, I don't care. Anything that you feel like is most important to know, what would that tip be? I always
1: come back to what my mom says to me, "Close mouths, don't get fed which means that if you don't if you don't speak up if you don't be audacious if you don't take the risk maybe calculate a risk or just open your mouth and just watch the abundance flow when you do that close mouths don't get fed that's it yeah is a wise
0: woman favorite. really oh that's so yeah. cool say that. yeah it's nubia's favorite oh, all the time <laughs> all the time i'll be like oh my gosh you know what if did open my mouth we would have you know i'm like a closed mouth don't get fed that's great advice Danielle. like seriously that's awesome advice so just to reiterate to our listeners because there are some skeptics that go oh here we go the talking positive this any other no seriously it works <laughs> there is power in your tongue period so take the time out to manifest the things that you want need and desire in your life by opening your mouth, you don't know what you may be able to attain or achieve if you don't open your mouth and say what it is that you want and you want to achieve. Asking me, shall
1: Yes, and also after you ask, make sure you take action. Like just don't sit around, take the action, take the initiative to actually make it happen. So,
0: yeah. Yeah, it does come with some work. It doesn't just say, like, you know, I want a million dollars and even snappier, you snap know, your fingers and that's it. No, you work towards building that million dollars. You might actually get in contact with somebody who has idea that would help you make that million dollars. It just comes in different ways. Yeah, especially when it comes to collaborative work. If you keep your mouth closed, you can't do all this alone. It's the teamwork and it's the dream work. And with that said, my dear, even though you have a a huge network of women of color that will help you with your podcast, if you ever need assistance, please. Yeah, for sure. That's not for sure because we've done trial and error, (laughs) girl. (laughs) chronicles abroad has been uh, an amazing roller coaster of just a journey of learning and yeah. knowledge and we'll be more than happy to share that yeah thank sure. you guys thank you thank you danielle thank you, oh danielle. where can people find you i know that you've got so much going sure. on. sure
1: you can find me on instagram twitter and facebook at the thought card You can check out my blog, www.thoughtcard.com. That's like a thought in your head. And the podcast is podcast.thoughtcard. And uh, yeah.
0: Yay. 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 So go out and listen and subscribe, guys. Thank you, Danielle. Thank
1: you. Bye.